Welcome back to Let Freedom Reign Podcast, the official equine industry podcast of Day 6 Ranch. I'm your host, Jason Swick, and on this show, we discuss leadership, self-mastery, and discipleship from topics and perspectives exclusive to the equine industry. If you are looking to build a legacy-worthy lifestyle, we encourage you to visit day6ranch.com and explore our free content, other podcasts, and sign up for our monthly newsletter. We thank you for joining us on this adventure. back. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited about the relaunch of Let Freedom Reign podcast. These first two episodes are doing very, very well. A lot of positive feedback coming in, and I cannot thank the loyal listeners enough for all that you've done to support this show and make it what it is. Before we get into this next episode, I wanted to give you guys some updates as far as what's going on with Day 6 Ranch. Next week, we'll be in attendance of a clinic at Versatile Horsemanship in Nakona, Texas. Katie and Elliot Holtzman will be hosting a Dan James Liberty Clinic, and we'll be out there. Hopefully, this Texas weather will stabilize. Yes, I do have my fingers crossed. No, I will not hold my breath on that fact. But hopefully, we'll be able to get some decent weather, be able to work some horses, have a little fun, and and grow our skill set within the Liberty discipline. We have a couple days off after that clinic, and then the bags will be packed, and we will be headed to Lexington, Kentucky for the 2023 Road to the Horse. In this episode, you will hear a little bit of the why we will be in attendance and some of the help we will be providing in support of that event. We always very, very much enjoy our time with our Lexington family and can't wait to get reconnected with everybody. Now, in addition to the relaunch of Let Freedom Reign podcast, we have two more shows in the making. We're recording episodes right now and getting some of the final production done on them. But head on over to day6ranch.com. You can scroll to the bottom of our homepage and sign up for our newsletter and email list. That is where we'll be putting out the formal launch of these two new shows. One will be tailored to the warrior community and specifically addressing issues related to the warrior community. And the second show that we're getting ready to launch is actually a ministry-focused podcast. And there are many folks within the Western industry that asked for some guidance in navigating their walk with God and how to better develop their relationship. So we'll be partnering with a co-host on that show, and we will release details shortly. Again, if you want to stay connected or be the first to know about the launch of those shows, you can visit day6ranch.com. That's D-A-Y, the number six, R-A-N-C-H.com. Scroll to the bottom of that homepage there, and at the bottom there is a place to sign up for our email list. Now, I cannot stand spam email at all. So through our newsletter, day6ranch.com, and our email communications, we try to stay as articulate and pointed as possible without wasting your time filling up your email box and then getting trapped in spam filters. So by signing up for that email list, you'll receive pertinent conversations to products, events, and content relative to growing your leadership, self-mastery, and discipleship. Now on to this week's show. This week's guest is going to be Josh McElroy. Josh was a previous guest of the show back in episode 93, October of 2020. If you want more on who Josh is and what he's done in this world, go back and listen to that episode there. But in this episode, Josh and I are going to discuss the India 6-8 Foundation. Now over the last several years, the horse has played an incredible role in my personal restoration And God has laid it on my heart to use the horse to do the same for others. Well, lo and behold, the same mission and goal has been placed on Josh's heart. And after several conversations over the last several years, 
we decided to formulate this foundation in support of equine facilities and programs to bridge the gap between the Western and warrior communities. In this episode, you'll hear the many common traits in which both professions carry and what our mission is in help serving and supporting the Western community, as well as providing hope and purpose to those transitioning out of the warrior community. If after listening to this episode, you know of an individual or organization that could be a good candidate for the India 68 Foundation, do not hesitate to reach out through any of the Day 6 Ranch social media outlets, or you can get a hold of me through day6ranch.com. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our conversation with Josh McElroy of the India 68 Foundation. Life around the ranch in Kentucky, my friend. I know a windstorm came through recently and tore some facilities up. How did you guys fare out there? We fared quite a bit better than most of our neighbors. Uh, we lost some shingles off my garage. Luckily, my largest barn sits sort of in a swale and it was protected and didn't lose any of its roof, which would have been kind of a nightmare to replace some of our siding from the house. But other than that, we're good. I know of two to three neighbors within a mile who barn same size as mine. They've got video of it just tearing the entire roof off the barn as it went by, ripping 10 up. There's 10 scattered and trees everywhere around here and then multiple trees down. There were portions of our road that you couldn't pass for a couple of days because the, the crews were out with chainsaws. But grace of God, we fared really well since I was not in the state at the time. Uh, I was very happy that God kind of protected the family and the place without me being here. It's always a blessing and it seems to be a common theme. And actually, last time I was out at your place for Best Horse Practices Summit, we had done what we thought was all the proper preparation on our side. And sure enough, I leave for a week or so to head out your way and it all hits the fan here at our place. So, my wife calls and there's many conversations that we had to try to get horses situated and unforeseen circumstance mitigated. So, we will be out your way for Road to the Horse here in the next couple of weeks. And my wife just made a comment the other day that I'm ready for you to go to Kentucky. And I said, oh man, our relationship's going that well, huh? <laughs> and she said, no, this time we're going to rock it. I don't care what life throws at us. We're going to be able to handle it. I said, well, if it's half of what Kentucky was or my Kentucky trip was last time, we'll fare just fine on this Road to the Horse trip. Yeah, I remember that... Uh the myriad of conversations that you guys were having to, to run back and forth. And so I agree that if it's, uh, if it's anything less than happened last time, your contingency planning is in place. Yeah. It wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a business trip without it. Right. 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 So the intention of today's conversation is to start bringing some awareness to a foundation that Josh and I had dreamt up over the last couple of years. We're currently kind of building the team around it and starting to get in some of the red tape managed as far as getting up and running, but Josh and I had recorded, gosh, I think it was October of 2020. So it's been a couple of years now. He was originally a guest on the show back in episode 93. And I'm going to let him kind of share a snapshot of his testimony here in a second. But uh, we saw a vacancy in the equine community, not to say that there's fault to anybody or deficiencies, but if we can bring added value and start to build a little continuity. We thought it was kind of our place and our duty and God had laid it on our hearts to take, take advantage of this movement. And so Josh, let's kind of go back and 
and revisit some of your some of your testimony because uh, Josh and I kind of have the warrior community in common. Although our jobs were vastly different, we kind of had the same overarching goal and mission for humanity. So I'm going to open it up to you and you share what you like. And in greater detail, if you, you guys listening want to go back, go ahead back to episode 93 and you can hear kind of a more detailed testimony from Josh. But I'm going to open it up, brother. You take care from here. So I grew up in Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico. My dad's a Baptist minister and a cowboy. And I've been around cowboy lifestyle my entire life. Grew up going to my godfather's place out in Oklahoma for entire summers. Started when I was nine years old, day working uh, for various ranches around there and sale barns. And then grow up, moved to a different place, and I decided to join the military to improve my life circumstances. And I found out that the conventional military and I did not have the same uh, view towards the common sense aspects of life. (laughs) And they kept telling me that if I wanted to do things like put my hands in my pockets and not get a haircut every week, that I needed to go to this place called Special Operations. So I, I worked out a magical deal to go to Special Operations to the medical schoolhouse, which was possibly the hardest uh, school I've ever been to, especially for somebody who doesn't do math in public. I love and it. I was able to graduate there and spent the next quite a few years in various spots in the special operations medical community from flying around in helicopters to being down on the ground as the assault medic And I think I ended up with 10 or 11 combat deployments. I can never remember. They tend to run together after this long. Throughout that, I I wouldn't say throughout that. As I got towards the end of that, I had this self-awareness or God probably started poking me in the chest to realize that I was suffering the effects of doing this job and my family was suffering the effects of me doing this job for as long as I had. And so we made the decision to, to step back from active duty military to be able to kind of focus on raising our kids and building my wife and I's relationship back to what God wanted it to be. And I, through that process, had always been involved with horses. I started training for outside clients, I guess you would say, when I was nine years old. And everywhere we ended up in the military, people would find out that I had worked with horses and somebody would say, well, I've got a horse that can't do this or that has trouble doing this or I can't get him to do this. You think you could help? And so I kind of stayed attached to horses through there and I had a few of my own and I would always use that as my mental reset to go work with a horse. And that's probably where I, I noticed the most of what I was dealing with because I would try to get something done with a horse that I'd been doing all my life and should have been fairly simple for me, but I just the relationship with the horse wasn't there because I wasn't there. And so I, I know that that was a way for me to gauge where I was and if the horse was 
comfortable with me if we could kind of develop that rapport, then I, I, I knew that I was probably in a place where I could have a better relationship with the rest of the world around me. So when I left active duty, I have done quite a few different jobs since then. And I have sat on the board for various veterans service organizations in the equine capacity and on the board for the Best Horse Practices Summit, which is a, a nonprofit that specifically works with best practices in the equine industry, whether that's training, whether that's horse keeping, that kind of that kind of thing and, and making sure that that information is available to as many people as we can. And then you and I got connected in somewhere in that process and we had started talking about, you know, where, where you had been, where I had been and kind of the similarities that existed between our thought processes and how we felt that, our relationship both in the kind of the Western industries and and with the equine industry itself had been kind of where God had had used to be able to put us in a place where we could be useful to something else. And so I think gosh, it probably was shortly after I was on the podcast that we had talked about how hard or I don't guess how hard it is, because I'm sure everybody kind of sees their own their own world a little bit differently, but in talking to the people around me that have larger equine operations or folks that I was training for or working for, they would always say, you know, it's, it's hard to find good help. And they would always kind of give the same list of, of things that they weren't able to find in the population that they had around them. And in my mind, I was like, those are all the things that I grew up learning in, in, being the son of a cowboy and an advanced manager. And then those same character traits served me really well in the military. And most of the people I knew in the military and law enforcement and even first responder community, that's why they went into the job they went in because those character traits were pretty important to them too. And so we started talking about, you know, how can we help those who are still in those occupations or maybe getting out of the occupation. And I know you and I talked quite a bit about it, especially on the, the first responder side where people who were getting, you know, 10 or 15 years into the career, they just, everything had built up and they weren't able to do the job the way that they needed to anymore because of everything that they had seen and done. And so we started talking about how do we kind of get these two worlds linked up because if you're looking for somebody who values being on time and doing what they say they're going to do and trying to help folks out and learns really quickly and likes to be pushed and given new challenges and doesn't mind getting fussed at every now and then there's a there's a whole population of people that kind of live their life that way that the I think that the equine industry western industry when it's not a kind of a family legacy thing, they're not tracking those people as, as I guess, open, would you say? Or I mean, I guess as a, as a resource. I think there's a lot to go on. Generally speaking, the Western community 
are incredible supporters of the military and first responder communities. I think intrinsically, we all kind of understand that we share common character values and traits. But I think very rarely do we actually sit down at the same table and talk about how those traits translate or transpose into the cross professions. You know, I was talking with J.R. Vizane, oh, maybe a month ago, and he's a previous guest on the show, and, and a lot of people who've listened to the show know his testimony and his story, and J.R. has never worked in any kind of public safety realm or profession a day in his life, but he is built on the same exact characteristics and values that make a legit operator, that make a proficient first responder. So he, I use him as a prime example that no, he never operated in the warrior community, yet he's built on the same exact values, right? I never operated in the bucking horse world on any spectrum, on any spectrum, but the same values that made JR successful are the same values that I held as a law enforcement officer and working on an engine and working on an ambulance. And... Um, some of my stories covered in episode 100 here. That was the first time I shared anything about what I did and uh, what I did professionally anyway. And what a lot of listeners might not know that they will now know is that the first, the first two years I ran that show up until about episode 103, I think when we went dark, I was working in law enforcement at the time. So I had policies I had to adhere to as far as social media policies and public conduct policies and things of that sort. So I had to keep my mouth shut on a lot of opinions and perspectives because I had policy to adhere to. And I was just coming out of a, a, an undercover assignment that I had been in for a couple of years. And in that undercover assignment, we chased really, really bad people. And these weren't street level criminals. These were international level criminals. And I had to kind of lay low uh, for a little while, just to make sure that that everything was all good on the home front, if that makes sense. But now, since retiring from law enforcement and making a full-time run at this Day 6 Ranch thing, it's time to start having the tough conversations with first responders and the Western industry. I think they're, they're tough in the, sense is nobody, in the sense that nobody knows how to get them started. It's not that the conversation is overwhelming or deeply intimate or, or something to be fearful of. It's just the Western industry wants to help. The law enforcement veteran community needs the help and wants the help, but nobody knows really how to bridge that gap. And to say nobody is kind of unfair because that's an absolute statement, but Josh and I shared some of these similar experiences that he discussed in his testimony and, and part of what I had going on in, in episode 100 and what I shared a little bit here. And we just made the decision it's time for us to step forward because we have a little bit of experience in the Western industry and we have a little bit of experience in the, in the first responder and, and military operations world and can kind of represent the warrior community articulately and be pretty well oriented in the horse world as well. So what we found is that the horse has a credible potential and this has been sold many times on the show, incredible potential to restore the human being. Well, how do we start to bridge that gap and build continuity within the Western industry to where somebody can take that, and this isn't to talk bad, but somebody can take that petting zoo experience of going out and seeing a horse for the first time or grooming on a horse or leading it around 
and and take the fire that's lit at that point and fan that flame to where if you want to go out and be a working cowboy, we can get you through a systematic program or two various programs to build you up. If you want to start training performance horses, we can get you connected. And God has blessed us with an incredible network on both sides of the Western industry and the warrior community to start to bridge those gaps and build those systems. And that was kind of the incipient conversation of India 68 Foundation, which is what is now coming to life through Josh and I's effort and the many, many people that are that are supporting the mission. Yeah, I I think that like you'd said, the kind of the biggest challenge is that both the the Western industry as a as a whole and the people who populate that and and the warrior community, nobody really reaches out for help. Uh, Correct. They figure, it's a very self reliant community on both sides. They figure, well, I I'll get it taken care of. It's fine. I can, yep. I got it. And that is a terrific character trait to have until you're carrying 73 plates that are spinning. And at some point you're going to start dropping plates. And I, I think that we've probably reached that, whether it's a societal thing or, or, you know, a consequence of, of events in, in people's lives, but we've reached that, especially in the Western industry where we're seeing, and I know I speak for Kentucky just because I know folks that are, that are, in that area of government that have have stated many times that there is a tremendous lack of workforce infrastructure in the agricultural in the agricultural community with Kentucky being a fairly large producer of fast horses and there is they're constantly looking for people to to be able to be an asset in that community and I know that you and I have both talked about the fact that there are multiple organizations around the United States who who are on one side or the other, right? They they're on the Correct. you know the equine facilitated therapy type side, and they do really well there, or they're on you know ag vets or you know those kind of things where they're where they're on that side. But I've noticed. By and large, especially in, I have some friends who are who are very involved in the agvet side and and kind of the farming and agricultural side. But even then, it becomes if you weren't raised in that, there's not a lot of, I guess, marketing for the lack of a better term to say, hey, this is a this is a job that you could do that still provides value to the the community around you because that is an important character trait in, in, in the warrior community and the first responder community that they, that's part of how they identify themselves is that they, they provide value to the community around them, but you may not have grown up doing it. So you don't know that it exists. And so I don't think either of those two communities are kind of talking to each other and saying, Hey, you know, we've got a bunch of folks out are out here at our program in California who have been working through their own personal stuff. Turns out they're pretty good hands with a horse or they really like the cattle production side of the operation. And they're, you know, they're out here on their own time, just feeding cattle or, you know, they're out here on their own time wanting to learn more about horses. And we don't have, a way to kind of 
get them any further down the road because that's not how where we're designed. And so I think that that's probably where you and I've saw the greatest need for somebody to kind of step in is to kind of bridge those two networks to say, hey, there exists a, a symbiotic relationship between these two things that's that's pretty powerful and, and and evident. But getting one to talk to the other one, not because they don't want to, but because they literally don't know that it it's an option. I always use the term, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I, I don't blame anybody for not knowing what they don't know. Correct. And so where you and I, as we've built our friendship and, and our relationship have said, you know, neither of us want to be the guy that stands in front of a camera and talks about stuff. Uh, that's never where I wanted to be. It's not where you wanted to be. Uh, we will do it. It's fine. I can articulate it, but I, that's not where I want to be. But I'm the guy who knows the guy who could probably get that done. I've always been that for the folks that I've known in the military and in that side, they, they'll call me and be like, hey, I've got X problem. I'm like, okay, well, I can't solve your problem, but I know somebody who could probably help you out. And then I'll make a phone call and I can get you guys together. That's, that's where I think my value is added is I'm, I definitely am not a master of enough trades to be helpful to everybody. I do know a lot of people from having done the jobs I've done over the last 21 plus years now. And so I probably know somebody that I've met that could probably help you out. Yeah. And so I think that's where you and I had talked about being bringing India 6-8 in. And while it's you and I's brainchild, I know that we probably won't get anything off the ground without uh, Toby Cross, who actually started it with us. And, and she is phenomenal occupational therapist and uh, working cowgirl. And she also has an extensive amount of experience in the nonprofit industry. And so we wanted to be able to have somebody who could take you and I's idea and be like, okay, that's not going to work, but this will. And also be able to bring a occupational therapy standpoint, especially for those people on either side of the, the spectrum who, you know, if you get bucked off enough horses, you end up kind of stove up in some places and it changes the way that you, you interact. And so she has a terrific amount of experience to be able to provide not only to specific, you know, individuals, but other institutions who are, who are working in, in that arena to be able to say, Hey, there's a lot of things that you can do on this, or there's a lot of things that you can try here to be able to help serve the, your population quite a bit better and give them a better quality of life that you may not even know about. And although we've, you and I have been described as the dreamers in the organization, Toby is very much, uh, the mastermind or voice of discernment. She's the one that actually puts everything together after we dream it up and and builds the continuity within the organization and the program and actually keeps the wheels running. And I think to give listeners kind of the 30,000 foot view of, of the progression of India 6-8 is both Josh and I bore the weight of our careers and being in a self-reliant profession, you deal with them on your own when you don't have to. A, because you just don't know there's another way and B, there's a lot of shame and burden that comes with having to look in the mirror. Well, 
and I can't speak for Josh literally, but God put the horse back in my life and I was able to unpack some of this stuff and had many conversations with some mentors of mine and tried to build some continuity into how I would restore and repair myself. And for me, it boils down to two things is that individuals in this warrior community and it's, it's a challenge shared with the Western industry and things of that sort. When you start to lose hope and when you start to lose purpose on any level of that, those two spectrums, the water start to get real muddy. And eventually, through the titration of stress and burden, we can get pretty far down that road and not even have a clue. And we end up in a ditch that's far more deep than we anticipated. And what the horse brought to us was that voice of reason that just said, hey, you're, you're in a ditch. Can you just stop digging? Let's stop digging any deeper. And then eventually we started to construct that ladder and dig and, and climb our way out of that ditch. So what we noticed is there's, there's a lot of organizations that provide that incipient level of contact with the horse and it starts to provide a little motivation and it starts to provide a little momentum in the form of restoration. But after that event is over or after that event leaves town, you're stuck with the question of now what? Where do I go? I might not be a horse owner. I might want to be a horse owner, but I don't even know where to start. So Josh and I started to look into those questions as far as what it would take to, to build some organizational structure. And then we found that there's a lot of organizations that deal with, I would say more of the intermediate Western experiences as far as livestock production or, or equine management and horsemanship. And then we have these advanced top tier trainers and clinicians and professionals that want to help the veteran community, but they just don't know where to go, right? So we have challenges going up the ladder. We have challenges coming down the ladder. And Josh and Josh and I decided let's take the bull by the horns and see if we can't build a little continuity to this to where we can feed people through the spectrum or feed people up and down the ladder and, and get the right resources connected. I don't, I don't claim to be an expert. I will never be an expert. There's far too much to life for me to assume that role. But to Josh's point, where I've always excelled is developing teams. And even if I don't have the answer, I can usually call somebody and I can get the individual connected with the proper or appropriate resource. So one thing that we've tried to tackle is building the organizational structure of that first contact with the horse and we can push it as far as you want. If you want to get into event production, right? We got avenues that you can go down. If you want to get into welding, we got avenues you can go down. If you want to get into any kind of performance horse, whether that's cutting, rain cow, horse, raining, we got avenues to send you. You want to be a stockman and get into the, the cattle side of life. We have resources for that. So this isn't a pigeonhole operation where you come in, you pet a horse, and now you're going to be a horseman. No, the horse just kind of opens up those doors and starts to unpack some of that baggage. But really, we give the freedom to the individual as far as what they want to set up. And building that continuity has been the crutch of our integration side. Would you would you say that's a fair statement? Yeah, yeah, completely fair. As far as the, the basic thing on the integration side is for us to be able to take and help out all of those, those what we you know call intermediate step programs or the, to be able to take it on to the next step for their for their participants, right? So the integration aspect is luckily we're not in the direct service capacity like a lot of these a lot of these organizations are where they're 
they're in their own community and they're having to build donor bases from their own community and, and kind of build that network, which is phenomenal for them. But being able to then provide a further service for that, we are, of course, split between two different areas of the country. So we can help integrate those those aspects of their program that are going to be beneficial to both their participants in the, the industry with folks in on either side who, who are needing that support. And so I think that being founded in integration and, and education, that our integration is to be able to connect those organizations or, or specific people, if it, if it comes to that, with the next step in, in their journey forward and, and be able to give them a, a set of resources that they can they can use to be able to take it further down the line. And then part of that is then goes back to the education side and being able to provide education for nonprofits and, you know, folks who, who we meet along the way to be able to say, Hey, this is, this is a viable way to run a program or, Hey, I know you're starting up your program. And we've had a couple of, of organizations approach Process along the way and say, hey, what do you think about the way we're doing X? Or what do you think about this curriculum that we're running? And that's where we kind of step in on the integration side to be able, or the education side to be able to say, hey, these are the things that we would do. You know, these are the policies and procedures you probably need to have in place to protect you and your participants. These are the, you know, this is the way to be able to have a an organization that has longevity and has the ability to to maintain itself, I guess you would say. Yeah, I think to the educational component side of what we're trying to accomplish through India 68 is it the educational component is more of a consultation side of what we're trying to accomplish. There's there's phenomenal programs out there, phenomenal equine programs out there. There's a lot of great programs that are just struggling to get up and running. There's a lot of people with great intention. God has laid incredible will on their heart and they just don't know where to start or they don't know how to build up that program. Well, we have educational resources that we can provide them in the form of if you wanted to be a fundamental level horsemanship entity, these are some of the boxes that you need to check as far as best practices, Mm -hmm. as far as liability reduction, as far as safety for everybody involved in your entity. And it's kind of... I see the educational arm as, as a twofold component. There is the understanding horsemanship in the equine side and the best practices as supported by science and what we know to date. But then there's also that organizational management component as far as how do you build an effective program with some continuity other than, and this is no knock to those programs, but there's many programs where it's just come out and you want to pet a horse, pet a horse. There is productive work being done in that capacity. But if you're looking to grow your organization or if you're looking to build a program and funnel into that next step that you talked about as far as our integration pipeline, then we can be that resource for you. And this would be an ask that I have of the Let Freedom Reign following is that if you know an individual looking to incorporate into the Western world who they don't exclusively have to come from the warrior community. It's what's familiar to Josh and I. That's why we assimilate so well with it. 
and we'll use the warrior community by way of example, but when you are so deeply attached to such a significant role in the warrior community, right? I was a tier one guy, or I was a SWAT guy, or I was a UC guy. When you come out of those roles, uh, you can get kind of disoriented with life and lose some of that purpose and lose some of that hope. And if you need some accountability in that regard, we're the guys to talk to. We've walked that walk. We've wallowed in those valleys and in the mud, and we've stood on those peaks and those high moments as well. And we can speak from firsthand real world experience. This isn't a sales pitch. This isn't something that we read in a book. This is life that we experienced and lived. And if you are some form of equine service organization out there and you're looking for a little bit of guidance of this is what I want my program to be, or these are the people that I'm trying to serve, or this is where I want to funnel the demographic in which I currently serve, then please reach out to us because we are constantly building the network and constantly updating procedure and constantly evaluating best practices. And you made a very good point. We aren't in the service front and we've had, there's been discussions about competition for work or money or whatever. We don't see it as that. There's so much work out there that, that everybody could be inundated with it. We still wouldn't get it all done. Our role in the big picture is being able to get the right people and individual and resources connected and make sure that there's continuity to feed the purpose and the hope in which these, these clients that we're serving need to be refined. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And I had this discussion actually very recently. I was um, talking to a mutual friend of your and I's, uh, Mark, out in Virginia, and he was talking about uh, looking at, he's in the infancy of trying to build a cowboy mounted shooting nonprofit that helps veterans get into cowboy mounted shooting. And he was like, I've, I really feel like this is where God's leading me, but I don't, I'm kind of wanting to figure out what do I, what, what are my next steps? What do I need to look at? Because he's got terrific integration and resources in kind of both of those communities. But he's like, from a nonprofit standpoint, I've never ran one of those. I, I, what do I need to, to do? And so he and I sat down and have the conversation of, okay, these are the challenges that you're going to look at from one side. These are the challenges you're going to look at from the other side. How do you, you know, get the, the people who are looking to help veterans or first responders on this end of the spectrum to help out those on the other end of the spectrum. And so I think it's that type of consultation for the, for the left freedom rain listeners that we're, that Jason and I are talking about. And as far as India six, eights education side, that's what we're wanting to be able to provide not only to, to, you know, specific people, but to an organization or, or people who are kind of starting out a fledgling organization to say, you know, these are, I found a way to serve, I want to make sure that it's viable and that I'm I'm doing the right things. And so being able to take our experience from what we've done and we've seen, like Jason said, I, I never claimed to be the guy who knows uh, everything about everything. I can only tell you what I've experienced and what's worked and not worked for me. And so 
I think that is one of the things that we are able to bring to to other organizations and and folks is to be able to to give them the education to say, hey, this is what's worked for us. This is what we know is best practices, and then be able to help them with the integration into that world of you know these are the folks you want to talk to. They're going to be able to help you out. Or hey, these are the folks that I see as a really underserved demographic or an underserved community, and then you're sitting in the right spot for it. So I think that's kind of where those two things merge for us at India 6-8. And I, I completely agree that we are we don't sit in a a position where we are competing for resources with the, the service side because we we don't have a brick-and-mortar institution or horses that belong to a program that we need to feed or, you know, program expenses that we would need to to be able to to staff every year like a lot of these really successful nonprofits do but we're also a resource to be able to come in and say hey we'll come out there to wherever you are take a look at what you're doing see how you're doing it give you our best practices that we know about and and nowhere along that line are we competing for donors because in all my experience in the nonprofit world I think that's been the largest thing I've learned is that once you get into that world, then a lot of your mission can be swallowed up in the fact that you have to keep the mission running. And so you have to keep getting resources to keep the mission running. And I think it, I think there's a lot of people who get very, very concerned and some rightly so that if we stand up to organizations trying to do the same thing, then we're now competing in the same pond for the same stuff. And I, I definitely, when you and I started talking about it and especially with our conversations with, with Toby on the aspect of how to structure this, that was definitely not one of the areas that we wanted to even get anywhere near competition no, for. No, no, And if you think about this operationally, right, the service organizations represent the door kickers in my mind. And you think of any operation that you've been involved in, uh, there's a small fraction of percentage of resources that actually breach the door and go in and execute whatever the mission is, right? Whether it's a rescue, whether you're clearing a building, I mean, insert operation X. Mm -hmm. But behind that operation, there is 99.5% of the personnel and the logistics that support that from intelligence gathering. Then you have to decipher the intelligence. Then you have to make credible plans and decisions based on the intelligence. Then there has to be contingencies for all of that intelligence gathered. And then you think of the logistical support and as far as what vehicles and transportation and food and safety and medical, all these other planning components that go into the success of the, I mean, some groups as small as three to six people going in that door as far as, you know, representing that door kicking element. India 6-8 is trying to be that support logistics side of the component in as, in, as far as gathering intelligence and putting battle plans together so the service component can go out there, the equine organization can go out there and blast that door and provide the most premier service possible to whatever demographic or mission that they are trying to execute and serve. Yeah, I, as you were kind of talking about that and the, the, the analogy in, in my world, or at least the, the, the verbiage that we use is, you know, it's either left of bang or right of bang. Correct. And we are, we are the left of bang. Like we are, we want to prep 
everything to be able to make folks successful and provide them tools to be successful on the other side. And those organizations who are in the trenches doing that stuff every day, that's, that's who is, is being supported and the overarching communities that, that they work with. So I think that our participation or our, our organization, I think that's really where we wanted to focus our time and being able to support and integrate both, both worlds and just like we're doing at Road to the Horse, right? God put me in the right spot. And a few years ago, I started volunteering to help out stuff with Road to the Horse. And over the years, it's come to, hey, I need some folks to be able to put stuff together and make sure everything runs smoothly down in the arena, to put up the the round pins, which are not light, by the way, if anybody <laughs> wanted to know. I've been training, man. I've been training. Yeah, they are uh, they are substantial. So if you need a substantial round pin, you need to look up uh, look up those those vendors because they're they're big. But being able to provide the folks that that do that, and I was able to do that in my capacity with Veterans Club of Kentucky last year, and then we expanded it to being able to to put a bunch of other veterans and first responder organizations in this year. So we've got people coming from California and Virginia and Texas to be able to represent their communities in front of that audience, but also to be able to help out at the event because everybody that's there, some of them are super integrated to the horse world and some of them are not. And I, and talking to the road, the horse folks, they were like, Oh yeah, you guys, did fantastic, but it was because everybody knew how to follow orders and to look around to see what needed to be done and do that and stay out of the way. Yeah, op- operationally, it's a very familiar thing. Yeah, and it was it was completely familiar to to everybody there, and so they you know we we were able to make a good hand last year, and so we we wanted to do the same thing this year, but then to be able to give other organizations the opportunity to to not only see the event, which is a phenomenal event but to be able to showcase what their organization is and what they can provide because the the road to the horse audience is so diverse and comes from so many places that that's where we find that integration side when they go back to their home state now they've got somebody who saw them at road to the horse who was like Oh man, I wanted to get involved with this, but I didn't know anywhere to look or how to who to to call to do it. And then I saw you guys, and so that was kind of we wanted to look at a a way to be able to to provide that integration and education side. And rode the horse just happened to be a terrific opportunity for us to do that. So for the for the group of our followers or listeners that don't know what rode to the horse is, rode to the horse. It's predicated on a cult starting competition. It's really a horsemanship event. This year, it's March 23rd through the 26th. It's in Lexington, Kentucky at the Kentucky Horse Park. And there's various events going on. And where Josh is speaking to how India 6-8 is proving to our mission is that there's a logistical component in which Road to the Horse usually needs some help on. And India 6-8 is, is headed up reaching out to the different veteran service organizations in the equina community to represent that 
hand help for Road to the Horse. So Josh and I will both be out at the event. Several of the organizations will be out at the event. So if you are going to be in attendance, please come run us down and find us. Uh, we'll be down on the arena floor. Josh could probably speak more articulately to what our schedule is going to look like and where exactly we will be at what times. But we would love to meet individuals. We would love to meet organizations. We would love to start building out this network because we are a service entity and it is all about that end service provider, that end service consumer and how we can support and fulfill those roles. So Josh, I don't know if you want to take a second to discuss what exactly will be going on and what our availability could be. And then I was even thinking maybe briefly highlight some of the organizations that are involved. I know you mentioned geographically where they're coming from, but if you would like to share who some of those organization representatives are, who some of the organizations are themselves. Yeah. Our basic schedule is of course sort of flexible because it's a uh, live video streams event and things tend to be fluid, shall hey, we say. Sometimes with, you just got to do it live. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sometimes let's go we live, just got to right? do it live. And so usually we're there from 7.30 in the morning till about five o'clock in the afternoon. There's potential if, if you want to link up with either Jason or I or any other folks that are, that are representing various entities uh, or regions of the, of the United States that we'll have time, you know, there's sometimes around lunch and sometimes in, in, in breaks between stuff that especially during the actual competition where we can kind of step away and have a, have a quick conversation, set up a dinner or set up a grab bite to eat or get a cup of coffee afterwards. So there's, there's always time to be able to do that in there that we can kind of set up. I like to stay pretty available just because I don't know when somebody's going to need something or something has, has changed a little bit or this way or that, but there's always time in there that we can kind of do that, especially with the, with the amount of folks that we've, we've got coming through there. We've got some folks uh, from South Carolina who are actually integrated with Veterans Club Kentucky and are looking to kind of bring the the type of organization that Veterans Club Kentucky is out to to the low country in South Carolina. So they're coming from Charleston area, South Carolina. We've got uh, Tammy Olivick who is Saddles and Service and should be familiar to most of your Left Frame Rain uh, listeners if they happen to catch her her podcast. She and one of uh, her participants and who uh, a gal who's become uh, kind of integral to her organization out there, they're coming from, from California, I think is where they're based in this time of year. And we've got, uh, of course, yourself coming up from Texas. We've yes, got sir. another law enforcement veteran coming up from Texas who's going to kind of help be helping under the India 6-8 banner. We've got um, Mark Hudson, who is a former serviceman. He's a, a veteran from the intelligence community. He is a uh, mounted shooter and a, a staunch proponent of the Marsh Tacky horse breed. And he will be coming out from Virginia and kind of representing that side of the the country and and then building out his his initial portions of of his nonprofit which is is looking to be able to get 
folks who are veterans or first responders uh, linked up in the, the mounted shooting community, which always sounds fun to me, right? Guns. Okay, cool. Horses. Okay, cool. I get to shoot guns on horses. Okay, cool. Um, and that's the point where it gets Western. Yeah, it can, it can go one of two ways, right? Like yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of prep work that goes in there, uh, that folks don't know about. And so if you have questions on that, Mark is definitely the guy to talk to. He uh, has a wealth of information on that and is a, is a terrific asset. So he's going to be coming from out that way. And I think there's going to be um, a couple more folks who have, have kind of stepped up to fill vacancies right at the end um, that aren't necessarily representing organizations, but they'll be down there kind of helping us out. And so our our crew will be down in the arena most of the time. But if you need to get in touch with anybody, you just uh, hit Jason or or myself up, and and we can we can kind of facilitate that as it, as it goes through the through the timeline there. And if you haven't been to Road to the Horse or, or unfamiliar with it, it is 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 definitely really cool to watch. It is a you know, kind of, there's, you know, multiple different schools of thought on cold starting competitions and people get very vehement and very, uh, emotional about it. Get pretty polar uh, pretty fast. They, it, it does. And I have been the last few years and no matter your, your opinion on it, there have been some phenomenal horsemen who, who come through there and I've learned something every time I've gone from not only competitors, but other folks I've talked to. So it's just a really cool place to be able to share knowledge and, and see some of the things in, in action that you may not have thought about, even if you've been doing this for, you know, 30 plus years, like I have, there's definitely something that you can see and, and add to your toolkit. So it's, it's a really cool event. And, uh, the folks who attend that event are just an amazing group of people. So so for those of you looking to attend Road to the Horse, tickets are still available through RoadToTheHorse.com. And if you need to get a hold of Josh and I in preparation for that event or attendance of that event, you can get a hold of us through Day6Ranch.com. And that's D-A-Y, the number six, R-A-N-C-H. Or you can get a hold of us through any of the Day6 Ranch social media outlets. So we're looking forward to meeting and convening with everybody who's in attendance of the event. And if you aren't able to make the event, please, we encourage you to reach out because Josh and I feel deeply compelled and we think it's God's plan for us to help build that network and, and influence what we can within the Western industry to help support our country's warrior community. Josh, do you have anything else before we uh, wrap this show? No, I think we've, uh, think we've covered everything that, that we had, at least that's going to be available in my brain. So I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks and anybody else who wants to uh, come out and link up with us we'd love to talk thanks again for joining us here on let freedom reign podcast if you're looking to grow in the areas of leadership self-mastery and discipleship please visit day6ranch.com to see all we have to offer in the form of free content podcasts and material related to building a legacy worthy lifestyle